The following sermon is by Dr. Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Josh. All right, so not a full sermon today, just a simple invitation for you. Let's, if you join me, especially for the sake of our kids, will you read with me perhaps the most well-known verse in the Bible? It's on the screen if you need it. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I just want to give us three reminders about God and and why this is good news for us this morning. So the first thing this verse so clearly tells us about God is that God loves. begins by telling us, for God so loved. I'd like to submit this morning that there will never be a better truth that you will ever come to know than that God loves. Robert Dick Wilson in 1856 uh, was born. He grew up. He got a master's and his Ph.D. from Princeton. After that, several years later, he taught at Princeton. He became a well-known Old Testament scholar. He mastered 40 ancient languages. He could read the New Testament in nine different languages. And he's one of those rare super geniuses that could quote the Hebrew without messing up any of the syllables. One day he was teaching in class there at Princeton, uh, getting into the weeds, which he often did in his teaching. But then he paused and he broke down in tears and he said this, Young men, there are many mysteries in this life that I cannot understand. Many things hard to explain. But I can tell you with the fullest assurance, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I don't think you'll ever learn anything better. This week I've been going through Psalm 90, verse 14, in my personal memory. It says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Let's remember this morning, God loves. Now this morning you could be thinking, on the one hand, well, of course He loves me, I'm lovable. <laughs> or, or on the other hand, you could think, how could He love me, I'm unlovable. Well, the next couple words actually assure us, because it says, for God so loved the world. Now that, that word in Greek is cosmos, and it's used throughout the Gospel of John in a pejorative and negative sense. In fact, in John 15, Jesus will say this to his early disciples. He'll say, the world hated me. So don't be surprised if the world hates you. Now that is the world that God loves. So you can be sure this morning that God loves you. Whether or not you think you're lovable, God loves the unlovely because God is loving. God loves. All right, the second thing the verse tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave. So the second quality about God it tells us is God gives. God is a gracious giver. How good of a giver is God? Well, the text tells us he gave his only son. Have you ever given the minimum amount so that you could kind of get someone out of your... I mean, have you ever had the Girl Scout cookies come and you're like, honey, how little do we need to pay so that they will leave? (laughs) You know, Uh, So you're giving the minimum amount so that you can remain in an impersonal situation. God is giving the maximum amount and it's of the deepest personal amount. So it's infinite in cost and it's also intimately personal. In fact, when it says his only son, doesn't it make clear that Jesus is God's son in a way that's unique to him? 
I know there's so much about God that is unfathomable. He's, he's infinite. And yet, God the Creator reveals Himself as Father. And God the Son reveals Himself as Son. And in one sense, they have a Father-Son relationship. But the verses before verse 16 said that that Son would be nailed to a cross. On that cross, when Jesus dies, He says, God, why hast Thou forsaken me? And there's this moment that is beyond our comprehension, but a deep pain between father and son that that son didn't deserve. We're here with a lot of our kids right now, and we think about how much we love our kids. My kids at home listen to a CD. I know we still use a CD player. And they listen to Bible stories at night. And a couple of weeks ago, they heard about Solomon. And the next day, they asked my wife, Mom, why did Solomon have hundreds of wives? A difficult question to explain. My wife's explaining to them, because that was a very bad idea. You don't want to do that. (laughs) And so my one son said, when I grow up, I'm not going to get married. And then my other son said, when I grow up, I think I'll have two wives. (laughs) (laughs) And those little rascals, you know. But man, I love them so much. And I can't imagine seeing them suffer, especially if they were innocent. In ways beyond our comprehension, God the Father loved us so much that He gave the best He could give His very Son at a cost that we can't imagine. When He gave His Son, He was giving Himself. Do you know that Ephesians 5 verse 2 says that Christ so loved us that He gave Himself for us? That means that what God the Father desired is exactly what God the Son desired. The Son loved us. The Father loved us. The Father gave Him, but the Son gave Himself. God is Father, Son, and Spirit, and all in perfect harmony and agreement. They, together, loved us and gave themselves for us, willingly, joyfully. This is enough to change our life. Paul says in Galatians 2, I no longer live because Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Now I live totally different. I live by faith in the one who did that for me. And that's why I think number one and number two lead to number three. Number one was God loves. Number two is God gives. But God's love and God's grace in this well-known verse is for a specific purpose. It's not just undefined love, and it's not just undefined grace. It's focused love and focused grace to do something particular to save us. And that's why I write number three as God saves. God loves, God gives, but now third, God saves. Look at the rest of the verse. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let me start with the danger. And the danger is that phrase, should not perish. Doesn't that phrase indicate that we're already on the road to perdition? Doesn't it indicate that clearly? If I'm going to perish and I need to be rescued out of the perishing, that means that I'm already in a condition in which I will perish. Last night, God gave me the best sermon illustration of this. I didn't ask for it, but it just worked out last night. Last night, I was supposed to give the kids a bath and I was super tired and I was laying on bed and they started without me. And my one son turned on the water, and by the time I realized it and kind of groggily woke up, I ran in there, and he had it on boiling hot. 
And he was standing in the back of the bathtub intuitively realizing, I'm about to be burned. But he kept backing further and further away from the water because he couldn't get out. And when I ran in, and this is the honest truth, the Lord just gave this to me last night. The water had moved further and further and further, and it was about two inches from his feet, and the steam was coming off of it. And I plunged my hands in, and I pulled him out. And I'm not kidding. This is what he said word for word. Dad, you saved me. See, this, this passage says that we are on the road to perdition. Verse 18 of this chapter will say, whoever believes in the Son is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in the Son is condemned already. You're already sentenced per, to perdition. But listen, God wants to save you. That's why in verse 17 of this very chapter, the Bible says, God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but so that the world through Him might be saved. So friend, hear me this morning. God has given His Son to save us because He loves us, because He does not want us to perish. Perishing is not God's desire, but perishing is our certain future if we reject His Son. You might say, well, that sounds unfair. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Imagine a single mom who gives everything to raise the children she has. She just empties herself of every opportunity and freedom so that her children will succeed. And she does more for them than they could ever imagine. And then one day, she shows up at that college campus that she nearly killed herself getting them into. And then they pretend they don't know her. They disown her and reject her and deny her. Wouldn't that be wrong for them to reject the person who's given them all the good that they have? And as valuable as that mother is to their children, God, our creator, is even more infinite in his worth and wonder. We used to live near a pond and my boys would throw rocks into the pond and we loved doing that together. It was just a great evening thing to do until one day I saw they were throwing rocks at trees. And then I watched them hold a rock and look at a house and they were connecting the dots. <laughs> and I realized I need to nip this in the bud because if we're on Capitol Boulevard and we're in Leaf Maserati and they throw a rock there, they're not going to college. <laughs> you know, that's it. See, the value has gone up. So friend, hear from this scripture that there is no one more worthy of worship than we could reject. The perishing is like saying, God, I don't need you. I don't want you. I don't want anything to do with you. That is what death looks like, and that's what it becomes eternally. This is not God's desire. So look how the verse ends. God loves and God gives so that we wouldn't perish, but so that we would have eternal life. The opposite of perishing is Eternal life. The life that comes from Jesus. The life that He gives when He died our death on the cross, but then He rose from the dead as God received Him, and then He offers His life to be our life. And the most amazing part is how we get it. It's the last part in the verse I haven't explained. See it? Whoever believes. Not whoever earns not whoever tries harder, not whoever turns over a new leaf, not whoever has a better second half of life. No, whoever turns from all of them and trusts in all of Jesus. Whoever believes. So simple invitation for you this morning. 
Have you believed and received the eternal life that comes through Jesus? Parents, children, today, don't perish. Be saved by trusting in Jesus. Let me lead us in prayer this morning. God, thank you for what is probably the most well-known and well-loved verse in the Bible for a reason. It overviews the beginning to the end. You are a good God who loves. You are a great God who gives. You gave at infinite cost and in a deeply personal way so that we could be saved. It's a sobering truth, but we have to hear it. We will perish unless we believe. So remove any pride or any obstacle that we would cling to rather than trusting in Jesus Christ who loves us and gave himself for us. This morning, work faith in people so that they trust you. And right now, maybe someone needs to pray something like this. God, I admit I have rejected you. Forgive me. I trust in Jesus. And assure them that they now have eternal life in Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, go to ebcraleigh.com. That's E-B-C-R-A-L-E-I-G-H dot com.